listening to Impact Izzo, the student voice of Michigan State University basketball, bringing you news, updates, and more. but especially Michigan State. What is going on, beautiful people? Shout out Al Martin. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> what is up, everybody? And welcome back to the Impact Izone, your one and only source for Michigan State men's basketball, brought to you by Impact 89 FM WDBM, a part of the Impact Sports Podcast Network. And once again, for another episode, season six, episode 10, it is I, me, Julian Mitchell here in the studio with you, hosting for you. And today I'm joined by a couple of my couple of my great friends in studio. The one and only Amanda Poole is back with us. What is up, people? Ready to talk basketball. And back for the second go around, he decided to resign, signed a two-year extension <laughs> to be on the Impact Is On podcast. The one, the only, the director for Impact Sports, the editor, Luke Sloan. Very happy to be here. My Julian Mitchell, my basketball guy, Amanda, my basketball girl. We make a great team. Fantastic. That was so sweet. That was, <laughs> I didn't know what to do with that. I almost teared up a little bit. I'd take a moment. Well, we should Luke, invite him more often. Yeah, we you really guys should. Are my, my basketball people. It's, we have fun here on Fridays at one o'clock. You know, every week when I when I go in and Julian texts me, he's like, "Hey, we need we, we want someone for his own. I'll circle that on my calendar and look forward to it all week." Basketball, oh fun sports. Tissues. Jesus, yeah, get those tissues. See, you got the tissues. Oh, Reach. Reaching there for the you box. Go. Oh, almost. But yeah, well, it's great to have you join us. We love having you in, and of course, we're uh, without Ryan Cole. We're we're down a man. It's me and Amanda now, so we've been trying to look for guys to fill in the rotation. And you know, it's been great to have you on. And so we'll we'll see what happens going forward. But you're here with us for episode ten of season six. We're going with the plan: six seasons and a movie, just like the TV show Community. Um, but today we're killing it with episode 10, two games for Michigan State over the past session from when we last recorded. Um, and they got wins in both of them. So we'll start out first with the first game, Michigan State continuing their road trip. I believe it was four out of the five, four out of the last, their last five on the road. And they went to Penn State, Happy Valley, Pennsylvania, took on the Nittany Lions and came out of Pennsylvania with a W, just like the football team, 71 to 56 was the final score in that game. That win pushed the Spartans to 6-0 and in the conference. The fourth time in program history they have opened at 6-0 and in the Big Ten. Huge win for Michigan State. Some of the stats coming out of there. Nick Ward, the junior star, 16 points, 11 rebounds, 7 of 11 from the field. He turned out a great game for the Spartans, really led the way. And Matt McQuaid, he came in. He was a little slow, hit a couple of buckets here and there, but really turned it on in the second half. Finishing with, I believe it was either his season or his career high of 15 points, 4 of 7 from the field, 4 of 6 from downtown for Matt McQuaid, the senior guard, co-captain of the team. But it was a good win for Michigan State overall. I mean, I'm looking at this game and it was a good win to go into Happy Valley, pick up a W against a pretty tough Penn State team. They struggle a bit scoring the basketball, but they're tough. They're hard to run out and it's the Big Ten. You got to grit and grind your way to some wins, but a good game for Michigan State, although not their best performance of the season. <clears throat> Excuse me. Not their best performance. I thought they went in, and it was big to get a win on the road. 
Yeah, you know, Pat Chambers is one of the more well-respected head coaches in the Big Ten basketball circles. He always has his team ready to play, especially this being a home game for his squad. You know, any you can't complain about any road win in the Big Ten. It was a little bit ugly for State, but this game served a couple of pretty key purposes for them moving forward, especially for this Nebraska game, which we'll get, which we'll get into soon. Kind of an off night for Cassius Winston, but it was just kind of a weird setting. Half-empty arena, weird tip-off time, Sunday afternoon, you know, Penn State, not necessarily known as a basketball school per se, but, you know, they did a good job to kind of, you know, scrap things together and come out of there with a win. And, and, you know, they did have some good takeaways, which we'll get into. Yeah, I mean, you can't complain about, you know, a win is a win. I mean, they're adding to their record and definitely three players in double figures showing, you know, Michigan State's offensive, you know, it's very unselfish and they move the ball around pretty well. Um, definitely not, you know, a game that was amazing, but I mean, a win is a win. Yeah, and a good one for them on the road. But this was the first game with no Kyle Lawrence. They've been playing without Joshua Langford for a while, out with an ankle injury. That there are still a lot of question marks about. Don't really know when he's coming back or the extent of the injury. A couple people were saying season ending. A couple people said it's not season ending. Tom Izzo, of course, has not confirmed whether or not it is or really the timetable for Langford at all. So we don't even know if he'll be back for their upcoming game against Maryland on Monday. But either way, no Josh Langford against Penn State and then no Kyle Arns, who's been a critical part of the rotation with Langford out. He aggravated his back in the last game, doesn't play for Michigan State. And Izzo has to work with his rotation and slot in two freshmen. Aaron Henry gets a step up in his minutes. And then Gabe Brown as well has to kind of come off the bench, play a reserve role. And Izzo really had to lean on those two guys. And watching that game, I thought they both were pretty solid in the game against Penn State. And I want to get your guys' thoughts on what you saw from them and their continued growth up until this point in the season. Yeah, I definitely liked seeing more of them because, you know, we get them in spurts. But this time, you know, both of them around 20 minutes in that game. And you first think of Aaron Henry as, you know, this freshman that was the most ready, looked the most ready, acted the most ready, especially on defense. Um and now we get to see a lot more of Gabe Brown, and I'm kind of excited to see what else he's got. And I think that this game kind of helped them soak up some more, you know, minutes and maybe some confidence in Coach Izzo to actually trust them and, and make them work for it. And I mean, they have been working for it in practice, and now they're ready to, you know, step up. Especially Aaron Henry being a starter now, so um, definitely trying to fill some big shoes with Kyle. But I mean, they're doing a great job. Yeah, you you look at this Penn State team in this matchup, and they're. One of, they're in the lower half of the Big Ten, but you know one of the key things that State was able to take away from this game is it was really Aaron. It was Aaron Henry's first start. He performed exceptionally well. He wasn't afraid for of for this moment, as you know he you know this. But that's been a theme this entire year. If he's been needed to you know be pulled off the bench in key situations like at Ohio State in Columbus, he he's always performed up to expectations. And Gabe Brown as well played, you know, a career high in minutes in this game, you know, played exceptionally well on both ends of the floor, really. And, you know, you talk about the the next game after this Penn State game was that Nebraska game. Most people around that Penn State game really didn't expect Kyle Arns to be back for that Nebraska game. And, of course, no Langford. So, really, this was a nice opportunity to kind of get them some minutes on the road, get them some some key minutes for that Nebraska game, which, you know, State's minds, you know, they may have been thinking about that Nebraska game a little bit in this Penn State game, which might have led to some sloppiness. Yeah, and that's definitely one of the things that I took away. I mean, to me, it wasn't a great performance, and the real reason why Michigan State was able to get out and make sure they won this game was a very 
solid first half from Nick Ward. He turned it on in the first, all over the floor, great position down low, running in transition. He even hit a, a little jump shot from the uh, from the side area, and he got MSU out to the early lead. I believe he had 12 of his 16 points in the first half. He was everywhere, and for me, he was truly the key player in this win. Yeah, he he had another key game, as we've seen many times this year, of course, shot ex- you know exceptionally well from the floor kind of picked up the slack from Winston, who had kind of an off day offensively and, you know, with the turnovers as well, seven turnovers in that game. He was able to pick up the slack nicely and kind of take the lead offensively, which Michigan State needed pretty desperately in this game. Yeah, I definitely think it's kind of been a roller coaster with this season. At first, it was all talk about Nick Ward and, you know, his improvements. And then all of a sudden, Cassius Winston really proving himself offensively and the things that he can do. Um, with the ball. And then, you know, when Cassius Winston is having an off day there, it's Nick Ward to step up and kind of pursue the win for somebody that, you know, had to be doing that in the beginning of the season. And then kind of like we laid off of him for a little bit because Cassius Winston was stepping up, but he was still there. So now when you see Cassius Winston not scoring as much, we start to uncover Nick Ward's skills and, you know, his, his background work almost. You know, you talk about Winston in this game. Kind of a, a key position at this game was that that point guard position for Michigan State because, of course, Winston, you know, didn't have – he admitted after the game, Tom Izzo called it the worst game of his MSU career. They both knew that there were going to need to be improvements made off this game. But Foster Lawyer kind of stopped the bleeding a little bit at that position, picked up a couple charges on the defensive end, looked, you know, he was kind of in rhythm on the offensive end, which every now and again we'll see him kind of – let the speed of the game kind of overtake his game. And, you know, he'll get a little bit flustered at times, kind of maybe in this Nebraska game a little bit too, which we'll talk about later. But it was kind of a nice, maybe a little confidence booster for Lawyer in this game because, you know, it's it's a softer road environment at Penn State, and he logged some pretty decent minutes. It's baby steps for someone like him, and I think this this may have been, you know, a decent step. Yeah, I think it was a decent step for Lawyer, and I do, I mean, a lot of people are kind of bragging on him, especially we'll talk about a little bit with the way he played in the Nebraska game, and even we have a a fun question poking a little fun at Foster Lawyer in our Twitter questions as well, but I thought this this was a game where he he looked pretty solid, and it's going to take him time, That's that's the biggest thing, a guy like Foster Lawyer, his body isn't ready yet, I mean, at five, I mean, he's listed at six feet, but as everyone knows, everyone pretty much says, can confirm, he is Probably not six feet tall. I think we talk about his height every podcast. I think it comes up every time. I think we do. And I <laughs> apologize because I really don't want to, but it always finds a way. Yeah. And as a fellow short man, I know <laughs> what it feels like. You don't want to constantly be like, how tall is he? Is he really this tall? Like, I get it all the time. Friends come <laughs> over like, I'm t- I think I'm taller than you, Julian. Like, chill. No one asked you to bring up my height. Like, we cool, fine. You had a growth spurt. Sick. <laughs> But I, I hate to keep bringing it up his height, but I do think he's going to be a solid player. It's just going to be more of a maturation process for him than guys like an Aaron, Hen- Aaron Henry or a Gabe Brown, I think, for Foster Lawyer. And for me, another guy really quickly I want to talk about in this Penn State game was Matt McQuaid. 15 points, like I said, 4-7 from the field, 4-6 from three, a season high for him in this game. And he really was a big part of that. He... uh. Season high 15, capped off a 9-0 run in the second half with back-to-back three-pointers that stretched the lead out to 16, kind of making sure that Michigan State stayed in front and was able to get away with this win. And I want to ask you guys, because this was a game where he picked it up a little bit offensively, but we, he's known for his defense. And I, I, I want to ask you, looking at Matt McQuaid, where do you see him at on this team? Like, how big of a piece is he really for this Michigan State team, and do you think he gets the credit that he deserves? 
I mean, we we were talking about the Purdue game and how well he did defensively. It was like, you know, oh my gosh, Matt McQuaid is amazing at defense. We're like, we knew that though. Like that's all Tom Izzo preached about. And yeah, I do think he doesn't get talked enough about because the stuff that he does is just so low key. Like defense, that's just something that you should be doing all the time. It doesn't get appreciated as much. So when he does nail the three pointers, that gives him a little bit more attention. But I mean, his role on the team, I guess, in the end is just doing what needs to be done when other people are slacking. And that's a captain's role. It's been it's been an interesting season for McQuay. You talk about the injury he sustained early on. And then coming into this year, obviously, Tom Izzo wanted him to handle the ball a little bit more and kind of switch from his role on the wing that he's been used to in, in the first three years of his MSU career. But kind of recently with the injuries to Langford and now Kyle Arns, He's shifted back more into that wing role, and he's been able to pick up a little bit of the of the scoring slack that that was left by you know Langford and Arns. You know, of course, 15 points in this Penn State game, four or six from three, performed well offensively in the Ohio State game, and you know they're lacking a depth at wing right now. Of course, we talk about guys like Brown and Henry; they still have a little bit of a ways to go offensively, but both capable and strong defenders at this point. But McQuaid has been able to be a stable force in that unit, pick up some key minutes, play maybe a few more minutes. And, you know, he's not known for his offense necessarily, but he's picked up a little bit of that too. Yeah, and I think one thing that, that gets underrated, his defense is always there. And I think that's one of the biggest things is that for Michigan State to have now a a plethora of guys who can go out and defend another team's top score. You look at Matt McQuaid, you look at Aaron Henry, you look at I think Gabe Brown can do it a little bit as well. He has a lot of ways to go, but I think he can do it. And there's just some versatility as far as that on the defensive end, but I think Matt McQuaid on the offensive end has been really good as well. His points per game are up this season. He's at 8.3 points a night, 45% from beyond the arc, 42% from the field. The 45% from three is probably one of the biggest things up from a season ago, and to me that was the biggest knock on him, at least a season ago, that he was came in to be a sharp shooter and he wasn't really connecting all that well from deep. But this season, up again, in that three-point area, and I think he's been a huge part of this Michigan State team since then. Yeah, he's, he's starting to mold into that kind of three-and-D wing that a lot of MSU fans wanted to see out of him kind of early in his career. You know, he's obviously been—he was obviously streaky last year, you know, kind of a fluctuation in minutes. It wasn't as consistent as the playing time he's getting this year, but he stepped up big and, and performed multiple roles for them too, like I've said, on the ball and as more of a wing player, but— you know, you can check him off onto a team's primary ball handler. He can guard some like some threes and some smaller forwards and, you know, scoring two guards in the Big Ten. Having a piece like that on your defense is extremely valuable. Yeah, he was huge in this one, and we'll move on from Penn State. All Overall, I pretty much think we can all agree it wasn't Michigan State's best performance, but great for them to go on the road, pick up a win in Penn State, walk away with a victory, and keep it moving to stay undefeated in the conference and moving on to the next game, this was the one, I'm going to be honest with you. I came in looking at this Nebraska team, looking at this game, looking at the injuries, and I'm thinking it was all the perfect concoction for an upset for Nebraska. They had just come off a big win against Indiana at Assembly Hall. I was like, it's rolling for the Cornhuskers. They're going to go back home in Lincoln. I re- really don't know what's going on in Lincoln besides Nebraska basketball, so <laughs> I think everybody showed out for this game. It's a true road test, but Michigan State walks into Nebraska shorthanded the team they have, and they get a huge victory, big victory for them on the road against the Cornhuskers. 70-64 to 64 was the final score in that one. 
And, I mean, if we're going to talk about stats, I think the stat of the game is Cassius Winston. That will pretty much summarize what happened in this game. Winston, a career-high 29 points. He also made his way into the the 1,000-point club for his Spartan career. 29 points, 3 rebounds, 6 assists, went 9 of 15 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3-point range. Did have four turnovers in this one, but that was better than his last two games. He also did have to do a lot of ball handling in this one. It was really on him. Nick Ward chipped into the effort with 15 points of his own, 10 rebounds, 6 of 13 from the field. But like I said, 29 points for Cassius Winston. He was the story of this game. And I'm just going to be honest here. Some people have have backtracked on it. But I really do think right now, obviously, you got to wait for the matchup between Simpson and Winston. But this game, what he's done for this Michigan State team, I think Winston is the most valuable player in the Big Ten right now to his team, and I think he's the best guard in the Big Ten. I think, for me, this game solidified it. I want to see how he does against Michigan in case I decide to put my tail between my legs and give up on this take, <laughs> but I, I, I think I'm with it now at this point. I mean, 1,006 points now. He's the 51st um, you know, player in this program to reach over a thousand points and that's 50th being Nick Ward so that kind of shows you know the experience the mentality the drive of him and like you said I agree with you 100% Julian he is such a valuable player on this Michigan State team headed into some tough competition against U of M and also just tournament play in general without him I mean he orchestrates the whole entire offense yes Matt McQuaid's a backup foster lawyer's backup but Winston is that heart of the offense um, he's just played such an incredible role. And I don't know, maybe it was because he didn't do so well in the Penn State game. So he needed to come out to Nebraska and just show people like, OK, hey, that was just a joke. Like, we're just we're going to move on and I'm going to score a bunch of points. So definitely very impressed with him. I mean, honestly, I'm not as surprised as I think a lot of other people were just because I knew that he had great potential. So now that he's showing it, uh, I'm excited to see what else he can do. I am just salivating over that Xavier Simpson. Ooh, I don't like that word. Let's Cassius not. Cassius Winston. <laughs> you don't like that word? Drooling. How okay. about drooling? Let's, Amanda has a lot uh, of words that she doesn't like. Okay, and we don't need to bring yeah, those up we've, right now. We've, we've, been, we've been over this. They're, really, Shout just, out to Amanda Zach has a very long list of things that she just doesn't like. Huh. <laughs> you make me sound so negative. It's, 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 I mean, I think drooling is more crude than salivating. Oh, you said it again. <laughs> Okay, now here's the real test. Along how she says it, the the shoulders go up a little bit higher to her neck. For some reason, I don't know why. A lot of people don't like the word moist. I knew you were gonna say. I knew you were gonna say. That's not a good word. I'm I'm not as bad as her, but that's not a good word. Dang. Nothing should be. All in favor of not using that word on the podcast, say I. I am. I am quickly learning the rules around these parts. I gotta knock some words out of my vocabulary. <laughs> but yes, you were salivating yes. over this. No. <laughs> okay, okay, let's take a couple steps back. Let's throw it back to a couple minutes Rewind. ago. Amanda had her nice piece about you know the upcoming Michigan Michigan State game. I am excited for this matchup of Xavier Simpson and Cassius Winston. Is that better, Amanda? Yep, that's perfect. Wonderful. I mean, this is it's I it's I it's this Michigan Michigan this Michigan Michigan State matchup and this point guard matchup. You know, the schedule is kind of backloaded to where we're still going to wait a little while for these games, and they're going to come up quickly one after another. But you talk about Cassius Winston. I mean, you say, you know, MVP of any Big Ten team, best point guard in the Big Ten. And that's, you know, extremely true in my opinion. He's the engine that makes this Michigan State team run, as Amanda said. 
facilitates on the offensive end, has really developed into a leader. Of course, 1,000 points for his MSU career now, only a junior. We'll see if he comes back next year. Once again, story for another day. But you look at him, especially on the defensive side of the floor, too. He's grown so much. And you stack him up against some of the other players in the Big Ten. You wouldn't really say Michigan has an MVP. They just have a lot of role players that, that kind of fit really well next to each other. Carson Edwards, Purdue's kind of had their struggles this year. He might have had, it might be having a disappointing senior campaign compared to his standards. But, you know, you're not really going out on a limb with that statement just because of how solid overall he's been scoring the basketball, distributing, and as a leader now, it's been an all-around fantastic season for him. So that take isn't really that hot, in my opinion. Yeah, and I I, I think he, he has backed it up and gave the take credibility in that, I mean, if, if we're being honest, I don't think Nick Ward has pro- progressed to the point that everyone thought he was going to be. I definitely think he's gotten a little bit better, obviously, as the seasons have gone on. But in terms of being like a, a nice NBA draft pick, getting himself up, we haven't necessarily seen that piece of his game, the jump shot, all that stuff. But Winston, to me, has just, he's progressed so much. I mean, his shooting is much better. I'm not, I can't even say much better because he's a great shooter, but... He's getting inside floaters, finishing at the rim, taking threes off the dribble, off the pick and roll, off the catch. He's just gotten better in these little areas. And the the one thing that really has sprung out to me and I thought has been really great is how he just plays within himself. And that was one thing that I think a lot of guards struggle with and that the defender is allowed to sort of set the pace for the point guard. And he speeds him up, he slows him down. But Winston, no matter who has defended him, and that's been the question for me, is whether he can go up against more athletic guys, more athletic guards, he set the tone. He goes slow when he goes slow. He's not the fastest guy on the floor, but he changes speed so well. He knows when to go, knows when to slow down. I think that's what's progressed his game. He has a better feel for it all around. And I just think he's gotten so much better, and I really I really do love where his game's going. And I think if he's going... This Michigan State team's going. I, I think absolutely correct. He drives this team. Langford's going to be an X factor, whether Langford plays well or not. But if Winston's going, I think the Spartan team's going. I know. I remember in our first couple podcasts with Ryan, it was like this team only goes as far as blah blah blah. It is. I think Cassius Winston is that player now, and I think I can say that confidently. And also with Winston and and his, you know, how you said he's improving, but, I mean, his shooting was already great. We're just seeing more of it, 30, 39 minutes, a lot of minutes during these games. He's getting very tired, but he's still able to perform. I think it comes down to his mentality. He's so – I think he's very confident in himself, which is a great thing um, to have and, and to be able to just – like how you said, he kind of plays within himself and realizes, okay, I have to do this, this, and this to succeed for my team. Um Although he's not a co-captain, he is definitely a leader on that court. Yeah, and I think Luke, you you t- you tweeted it out as well, and so did Ryan Collins. Don't really like the kid, but we'll talk oh, about him. A my guy, bit. Ryan Collins, my guy. <laughs> but you and both and Ryan Collins both kind of tweeted and concurred that to you guys, this is the most mentally tough team you think Tom Izzo has had in a while. So I want to get your your thoughts on that, and what else you have to say, elaborating on that point and what you saw specifically in this Nebraska game that sold you on that. I mean, I think. When you observe, there's kind of two games that come to mind when you think of this team proving their mental toughness on this season. The first one would be that game in Columbus that I had a pleasure of going to with Kyle Turk. There's another name drop, Collins, Turk, uh, the three of us. We'll get get through everybody by by the end of this episode. (laughs) But in that game, tough road environment in this game in Nebraska, tough road environment. Both teams have a solid amount of talent, 
a solid amount of leadership and 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 good coaching. Tim Miles, Chris Holtman, and then and you look at you break down the games themselves facing adversity in these games. You know the the tough atmosphere at Nebraska, the the halftime deficit, and the kind of the demons that existed at Ohio State. But you look at this team and compare them to last year's team, and you'd say, I don't know if last year's team would have had the guts and the passion to, to kind of grind out these games that this year's team has been able to. And I think that starts with kind of their leaders. You talk about a Matt McQuaid, who's a grinded-out, all-effort kind of guy. Winston, even though Amanda mentioned he's not a captain, kind of an emotional one of the emotional leaders of this team taking on that bigger leadership role. But this team realizes that they this team, I think, in that locker room, they saw Miles Bridges and Jaron Jackson walk away after this year. They said, we still have the pieces in this locker room to contend and be similar to that team. But they developed a mindset, and Tom Izzo recreated a mindset of of going to work and and a business like approach in the in this summer before this season. His players have bought in really well. It's some of the best adjustments I've seen Izzo really make in his career at Michigan State, and his players have bought in, and it's been fantastic. And it's it's led them to a lot of road wins, and they've been extremely tested on this year too. Yeah, and they really have, and I think that's that's the truth. They really, to me, this game they grit and grinded out this game. It was like the Memphis Grizzlies, Memphis Grizzlies of the NBA. They just grit, grind, won a very tough game. I mean. Turnovers were huge, and that was one of the reasons Nebraska hung around for so long is that Michigan State turned the ball over so much. Uh, I mean, a total of uh, 15 turnovers in this game. But Winston was was the guy. He pushed them through. He led them on. And Nebraska really also kind of shot themselves in the foot. It's been a thing that's gone on throughout their season. They go on various scoring droughts, and they also just didn't get the performances they wanted out of their top guys. Uh, Jordan, um, excuse me, James Palmer goes 6 of 21 from the field, 24 points one of six from deep, Isaac Copeland. He went five of 12, a little bit better. Uh, Glenn Watson Jr., three of 13. They just didn't have the offensive performance they needed to take on this Michigan State team. And I think those are just the stories of the game. Winston puts on a great performance, gets out a gutsy win against this Nebraska team that, while playing great defense, couldn't get enough on offense to really walk away with the win here. Yeah, and I also think that with two injuries, seeing what this team can do with two of some great players – out I mean that's just you don't even know what's going to happen in the future games then and when they come back in what what this Michigan State team is made of yeah that's exactly I actually had that question on my mind to ask you guys uh another game without Langford and Arns and a lot of people are talking about didn't expect I didn't either especially with Nebraska to see this Michigan State team keep rolling and continue to kind of get better and kind of find another notch of gritting out wins rather than blowing away teams without Langford and Arns, and Langford still don't know necessarily when he's coming back. But for you guys, do you think Izzo and their staff need to kind of rush Langford in, or do you think this team can survive for a couple, I mean, Maryland and Iowa coming up next, can survive without him for at least two to three more games? This team, in my opinion, I don't believe that you know a guy like Langford or a guy like Arns necessarily needs to be rushed back. But I definitely do think in this Nebraska game, you may have seen a little bit of that lack of off of offensive options early in the first half. It seemed like early in this game, Cassius Winston, maybe a little bit of Nick Ward was kind of really the only places MSU was getting offense from. You know, a guy like Langford is instant offense with how versatile his game is on that side of the floor. But, you know, you talk, we, we mentioned this earlier, Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown still developing offensive games 
you know, very capable defensively. But they kind of settled into a lull and couldn't get into a rhythm offensively to where I, I think that the loss of Langford and, and Arns as well really kind of showed itself early in this game. But because this team has been able to find that scoring, a lot of it from Winston, and find you know what they need to win on a pretty consistent basis now without Langford, of course, the Ohio State game too, I don't think he needs to be rushed back per se because they're pretty darn deep. Yeah, and I guess with your question of if they're being rushed back in, I mean, you have to think about how serious their injuries are too. And But once they're completely healthy and Izzo feels comfortable to put them back in, I think that'll just be a question of now Izzo sees what everybody can do on the court, and it's a matter of him picking which tools he wants to use depending on the competition. Mm-hmm. Well, it'll be interesting to see what goes on from this game, but a big, gutsy, gritty win for Michigan State against the Cornhuskers in Lincoln, Nebraska at a Pinnacle Bank Arena. Walking away with the W there, moved to 7-0 in the conference, 16-2 and on the season. And with that, with those two games done and dusted, we'll move in really quickly into the impact is on state of the Big Ten. And looking at the current standings, just looking at the top five for right now, we'll probably do a bigger Big Ten episode later on. Michigan State up at the top 7-0 and on the season in the conference, 16-2 and overall. The other school in Michigan, the Michigan Wolverines, 6-0 and in the Big Ten, 17-0 and with a perfect sterling record. Some great wins for that Michigan team. Really love what they're doing out there in Ann Arbor. Maryland, a, a surprising team to me at 6-1 and in the conference, 15-3 and overall. Then Purdue coming after at 4-2 and in the conference, 11-6 and overall. And then the Iowa Hawkeyes, 4-3 and in the Big Ten, 15-3 and overall. Those are your top five as of right now in the current standings in the Big Ten Conference. And just a couple of questions for you guys looking at those top five, looking at some of these teams right now. So we're at kind of a decent point through the Big Ten season. I want to get your guys' most surprising teams up till this point. And I'll start first. My team that really has surprised me this season has got to be Maryland. I didn't expect to see this this motley crew of guys really come in and get to a top place in the conference. I saw Michigan and Michigan State being up there and then everyone else kind of battling for position. But Maryland has come out kind of on top to be that number three team in the conference. It's still Michigan and everyone else to me, but Maryland is really pushing that theory, and it's going to be very interesting to see if they can make some noise and upset Michigan State coming up with their matchup on Monday. That is going to have a lot of complications towards the rest of this Big Ten season. I think Maryland is probably the closest to make the push. You mentioned Maryland as your surprise team playing Michigan State on Monday. My kind of surprise team, and it's not really a surprise in a good way for this squad, has also played Michigan State at home, and Michigan State won pretty handily. That's Purdue. Carson Edwards, of course, one of the better scorers in the nation, but you know, 4-2 and two in conference play, 11-6 and six on the year. They had some tough non-conference games that they lost early in the year, but kind of struggling with, you know, decent expectations coming into this year and a program that's developed a history of, you know, producing good players over the years. It's kind of Carson Edwards and blank. No one's really stepped up for them other than him. A guy like Matt Harms, you know, seven foot, seven footer, but hasn't been very productive this year. Eastern, not that productive this year. I thought that Matt Painter was going to get a little bit more out of his guys and there was going to be a couple breakout candidates, but we really haven't seen that this year from this team. I mean, I agree with Julian. You're Maryland. It is a surprising team that you just wouldn't think would be up there. You know, MSU, U of M, Maryland. Like, I just, 
I wouldn't think that either. But I guess when it comes to my surprise was Ohio State. I really thought they were going to do a lot better. I think a lot of people thought they were going to do a lot better um, this year. I mean, considering their season last year, they did pretty good. I mean, their program was good, but maybe it's just competition with the Big Ten. It's always up in the air. You never mm-hmm. know who's going to um, produce and who isn't. And I think that was one of my biggest things. Maybe it's from because I'm from Ohio that I'd like to expect good out of Ohio, but no. Toledo, Ohio. Is it really Ohio? Mm, there was a war over that territory. Yeah, and we won. So hey, no. Hey, hey, we really made out in that war. We got the Upper Peninsula, beautiful area. Well, we got yeah. we got Salido Zoo. All right, best zoo in the nation. So yeah, it's pretty solid. Not gonna it lie, is, it is. <laughs> it's not better than the St. Louis Zoo. So oh, we'll just oh boy. But uh, <laughs> how did we get to? Okay. No, because you decided to take a whole Toledo stance. No, because you guys whatever. all started just getting on me about Ohio. No one got on you about Toledo. Hey, just we're, saying. we're accepting of all yeah. of our places of origin here on this. Don't podcast. really know about Ohio. You guys gave us Where's Logan Joe? Paul Where's and Jake Paul, Ohioan? so we don't really need Ohio. But moving on, looking at the Big Ten Conference, still, obviously, it's Michigan State, the Michigan Wolverines at the top two, and I part of the question going with the surprising teams. I want to ask you guys. Who do you think is going to challenge these two teams, if at all? I think they're running away at this point with the conference, and they both look head and shoulders above the competition. Do you think anyone has a chance to kind of knock them off? Eh, my opinion pretty short and sweet on this one. It's MSU. It's the University of Michigan. There's going to be two fantastic basketball games down the stretch. I really don't see anyone challenging either one of those two teams in regular season and the Big Ten tournament. It's going to be a crash course. Yeah, I agree, honestly. I mean, but then you look back at the Louisville game, and you're just like, what happened there? So you never know. I know with Big Ten competition, it is so up in the air all the time. Like I said before, I hate making predictions about that kind of stuff. But, yeah, I don't think anybody can compete with them as as of now, seeing their full potential. Yeah, I'd have to agree with both of you all. I, I definitely don't know who's going to challenge them. I think in terms of a talent standpoint, I think Indiana is a very good team. But I believe they're at 3-3 three and three on the season in the Big Ten. I think their losses have pushed them out in terms of the regular season title. But I think Indiana could be a very interesting team come Big Ten tournament time and even NCAA tournament time. So that that's the only real team that I can see make a, you know, talent-wise be able to match up with them. Uh, but I think it's those two head and shoulders. Yeah, I mean, you make a good point. You can't sleep on any team in the Big Ten. A lot of good coaches in this conference, a lot of good individual players you know, if, if if State or U of M falls asleep on a game, you know, there could easily be an upset, potentially. So, yeah, speaking on one of the teams falling asleep for a game, both teams undefeated at this point, 7-0 and for Michigan State, 6-0 and for the Wolverines. Before they meet up, I believe in February, they'll have, I think they'll have their first matchup. Which team do you think comes into that meeting with a loss? Or which one picks up their loss first? before meeting each other, or do you think they both come in undefeated? And as far as I'm looking, looking at a couple of games coming up, I got to go with MSU. I think in terms of where the schedule is at, I think Michigan State, with the injuries they have currently, is probably the team that I'm more wary about dropping a game uh, as far as the Big Ten schedule. I think this game against Maryland is going to be a tough one, especially with the injuries still. Maryland's a good good team. It's going to come in and put up a big challenge. Um, I think Michigan is going to be okay. I believe they play Wisconsin t- today or tomorrow, and then they will have a game on Friday at Indiana. And that's the game. If I'm Michigan, 
that's what I'm looking at. If Michigan State gets past Maryland and Iowa and then uh, Michigan has to play at Indiana, I think that's a game the Wolverines can drop in Assembly Hall. Very tough environment. Yeah, I do think the Spartans probably will be the first one to fall before our matchup with our matchup, Michigan State's matchup with Michigan. You look at this game against Maryland, it's going to be a tough game. They have some dynamic scores, well-coached team. You have another home game coming up versus Indiana in a couple weeks, too, for State. You know, Romeo Langford, dynamic scoring guard, lottery pick upcoming. They have a couple little tests every now and again. They need to make sure to, to keep on top. You know, getting Arns back relatively soon would probably help that as well. I think both teams meet up undefeated from then. <laughs> Just because Sheesh. I I know, I think Michigan State's like on a roll. I like it, yeah. I like that because the kind of stage that will be set up for that game, oh, if you wow. have two teams undefeated in conference, that'd be I a just, story. I think that Michigan State's on a roll. I think U of M's on a roll. And I think that there's no, they're both in like a perfect standpoint. Yes, the injuries do affect Michigan State, but do they? I mean, they've done an amazing job without two amazing players, one of them being a captain. So, I don't know. I want to say, and I'm going to say, both of them will be undefeated when they face off, and it'll be the battle of, of a century. You I make, like it. Yeah, you make a good point yeah. because they've been able to do it. They've done a fantastic job of playing through those those injuries on the wings so far. So, I mean, there's no saying they can't continue that. Plus, these tough games are at home. It's not a bad take. Mm-hmm. I like it. And that will be, I'm rooting for something like that because you, when you talk about the crash course of these two teams, they ma- if they both matched up undefeated in conference— Oof. That's a game. I, that's a really big game, and that's a really – I mean, the ramifications of that, you talk about not just for the state of Michigan to have both of, of their teams, their in-state teams, meet in such a critical matchup, but for college basketball in general to have two powerhouses, two great programs, two rivals from the same state meet up to decide the Big Ten champion, I mean, that is a very, very compelling matchup. It would make great – television whole lot of money for college basketball even though they don't need a whole lot more money but you know we won't we won't get into that <laughs> story for another day story for another day but that that is a, our little impact is on state of the big 10 as of right now obviously we'll do a much bigger episode as things start to evolve and spin out a little bit more um but that's kind of where everything is lying as of right now with the big 10 kind of sitting with michigan state and the wolverines we will move on to our twitter questions everyone's favorite Segment open up the impact is on mailbag. Is it everyone's favorite segment? Okay, it's my favorite. Okay, it's okay. okay. Fun. All right, jeez, I'm, I'm new to this segment, but it seems like a blast. Oh my goodness, <laughs> Amanda, don't don't make me kick you out for Joe Dandron. Oh might have to do it. no, might have to do it. You have been terminated. I like it. I like it. But our Twitter question starting out first with the man Kyle Turk dropping us with the question and his one is which games do you guys see as toss-ups in the next two to three weeks if Arns and Lankford stay hurt or come back and I'll just start us off I I think Maryland is is a game that Michigan State can lose on their home floor a, a red-hot Maryland team they're number 19 in the country as of right now I think that's one that could lose without the injuries and I do think I think Iowa's one as well I think Iowa's a good ranked team that one's on the road and I think Iowa's going to want a little bit of revenge for the the beatdown Michigan State put on put on them earlier in the season. Yeah, definitely. We we kind of talked about that just a second ago. You know, the Maryland game, the Indiana game. So you know, already kind of elaborating on that. I agree with those games too. Iowa too. Def, Carver Hawkeye, not an easy place to play at all. 
and you know, as well with Iowa, they have some scores on that team. I'm a, I'm a big uh, Tyler Cook fan, Garza, Bohannon, some guys that you need to worry about a little bit. Yeah, I think they they have a good team. Uh, Amanda, looking at the upcoming schedule of obviously Maryland and Iowa coming up, any of those two games, you think Michigan State can drop? No. You want to, I mean, hey, she, you did say they were undefeated, yeah, uh, so I'm I'm, I'm with you. No, that's short and sweet, but it's good. She's she's sticking to her guns. No, I just I really think that this team is figuring out that they can be really really good if everybody does their part on the team offensively and defensively. Because now they have this Aaron Henry, Gabe Brown, these secret weapons almost that they know that they can utilize. Mm-hmm. Well, there we go. I think I have a couple of potential losses. The two upcoming games, Luke, I believe you do as well. Going undefeated with Amanda. I like it. A little bit of difference Very between nice. the panel. Moving on to our next question. Thank you, Kyle Turk, for that one. Joe Dandrin, the guy who was on here last week, s- sent out a question. The realistic expectation if Langford is done for the year. This is a very tough one. Luke, I'm going to start with you and see what you have to say about this one. If they get a Kyle Arns back relatively soon with the, with the level that he was playing at earlier, I still think the expectations are sky high for this team. I mean, they've played an Ohio State on the road, a Nebraska on the road, and they've been good wins that they've been able to put together as well as as taking care of business You know, with some other games at home. I don't think, you know, as much as Langford is a captain and, and very important to this team, especially on the offensive end, I think the expectations are still very high. I mean, like I said before, this team, and like you guys have said, they're playing solid games, tough away games on the road. That's a challenge and a challenge they're facing without some of their key players when it comes down to last-minute scoring or, you know, forcing a play. And, I mean, if Langford is done for the year, I think they could still get away with a Big Ten title. Uh, I think for me, looking if Langford's done for the year, I think – Big Ten title is a little bit less likely for me. I think Michigan will then especially more have the better team with better players surrounding. I think it'll it'll still be a close game between the two, but I, I think without Langford, that makes that game sway a little bit more towards the Wolverines' favor. Um, as far as even beyond that, looking at the NCAA tournament, I think I had them pegged to like a Sweet 16, maybe even Elite 8. I could see, I could still see that. I could still see a Sweet 16 at least without Langford. I think Winston and Ward do enough uh to get through that and so moving on here two twitter questions sent in to us we're going to end off our little impact is on mailbag if of course if you want to send them make sure to follow us on twitter you can follow me at j underscore mitchell 25 use the hashtag impact is on we'll tweet out when to send in questions send in those questions so we can answer them on the pod moving on from the twitter questions we got to look ahead michigan state two games for the next time we will record they return to the Breslin Center for the first time in a little while on Monday to take on the red-hot number 19 Maryland team, the Terps coming in the Breslin Center. I think this is going to be a very interesting game. I've said it multiple times, but I think Maryland has a really good team, three guys who can really score the basketball, and Anthony Cowan, 17.8 points a night, 42% from the field. Uh, forward Bruno Fernando, 14.6, 9.9 rebounds. He's a double-double machine. And uh, for- forward Jalen Smith who is fantastic, 12.2 points a night as well. Three guys in double figures. I think this is a very interesting matchup coming into the Breslin Center. And I am I think I'm going to go with Maryland winning this one. I think uh, 
I think it's very much possible. I haven't swayed from the Michigan State choice all season, so I think this time I'll I'll just put it out there and I'm gonna go with Maryland. I think why not? Instead of going with Michigan State all season long, we'll go we'll go with Maryland. Well, Maryland is full of surprises this year. So I mean I, I respect that choice, but I gotta stick with Michigan State just because, like I said, they're on this run. I think they're realizing what each of their players can do for their team. And um I don't know. I don't think they're gonna they're gonna accept a loss. Yeah, I like the Spartans in this one personally. Maryland dynamic scores, as you just talked about, very well coached team. But I, I see Michigan State carrying that momentum from this Nebraska game into this contest. You know, a little bit of home cooking. We're still gonna be good from here on out. I like it. I just want to be different. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. That's good. Either way, though. next Variety game is the spice of life. That game will be Monday, January 21st at 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on Fox Sports 1. Following that game against Maryland, Michigan State will go back out on the road, traveling to Iowa to take on the number 23 Iowa Hawkeyes. And, of course, the game already had a matchup earlier on in the season. Michigan State beat the brakes off of Iowa. 90-68 to was the final score in that one. Tyler Cook, Luka Garza, Jordan Bohannon all coming in at home on their home floor looking to get a revenge game against Michigan State. I don't think it happens. I think Michigan State walks into Iowa, takes down the Hawkeyes, clips their wings. Whoa, retweet. Very nice that was word. Good. That was really good. You like that? Clever. You like that? You Love like it. that? Kirk Cousins. Shout Whoa, out Kirk Cousins. okay. Ooh, He's our guy. He's our guy at Michigan State. <laughs> but either way, I think Michigan State moves on, gets a win against the Hawkeyes. Yeah, I agree. It's just, I mean, Iowa, I'm sorry, you're not – they're not worried about you right now. I mean, every, they're going to take each game, but still, when it comes down to it, MSU is going to do their job, get things done, especially coming after a win after Maryland. Iowa very flawed defensively. Michigan State already knows what they bring to the table, took care of business against them at home earlier in the year. Maybe slightly closer in this one, but I like their chances. Well, two very very interesting matchups coming up for the Michigan State Spartans on the road. Look to see if they get either Langford or Arns back. Either way, Michigan State looking to keep it rolling today, undefeated in the conference, keep their Big Ten title hopes alive for a matchup against Michigan later on down the road. I'm Julian Mitchell, joined by Amanda Poole, Luke Sloan. We had a great time. Thanks for listening. Subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter. You know the deal. Subscribe on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> Hit that like button. Either way, we'll be back next week. Thank you so much for listening to the Impact Is Have a good one.